My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 583. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And I always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. My darling, will you tease the topic of today's show? So um, the title of today's show is Accountability, comma, Forgiveness. Because it's not versus or either, and it's not about talking about them together. It's about talking about them separately. Okay. But they, in some way, have an overlap. But I didn't want to be like accountability and forgiveness because they don't have to go together that way. Accountability, period. Forgiveness, period. We could do that, too. We don't have to put a comma. We could put both. But first, um, I'm going to do this. Tournament of bad. Oh. Terminant of Bad. Terminant of Bad. Oh, that's an old school. So Terminant of Bad is something Kathy and I did like for the first five years of the podcast <laughs> and haven't done it since. Those, those voices? Do it again. Okay, hold on. I got to turn it up. Okay. Terminant of Bad. Terminant of Bad. Terminant of Bad. So that is JC, Owen, and Cameron. Yes. When they were very, very little. And Owen was our neighbor down the street. And so those voices are from a long time a long ago. A long time ago. Um, and it signifies that I was about to complain about something. Yeah, tournament of bad meant things that we didn't that understand. Kind of drove us crazy. Annoyed us. So here we go. Here's my entry. Great. And you know this, or maybe you will in a second. My darling was received a calendar, a one a day calendar of quotes. Uh huh. It's one of those where you tear it off, and the next day, and you get a new quote. It's a Zen calendar. It's a Zen calendar given to you by Peg Bear. Uh huh. Okay. And this is for Wednesday, January thirteenth, and I'll read it. A monk said to his master, I've been with you a long time, yet I am not able to understand your way. How is this? The master said, where you do not understand, there is a place for your understanding. The monk replied, how is understanding possible when it is impossible? So, so far, I'm totally with this quote. Okay. Okay. I can't wait to find out what it is I'm about to... To learn? Learn. In closing, the master said, the cow gives birth to the baby elephant... Clouds of dust rise over the ocean. What is going on there? What? That's my. That's my last. That last line I was, was for say, me. That's not really what no, it says. That. That's the end. The clouds of dust rise over the ocean. Period. End quote. Okay. What the hell's that? The well, cow gives birth to the baby elephant, and I'm sure there's some Zen master say, "Duh, Todd, you're not getting this at all." Well, right. Guilty as charged. You have to have respect for what Zen means. I do, and I can also ignorantly make fun of it. And Zen is about paradox and Zen is about mystery and Zen is about um, recognizing the incongruencies of life. It's about understanding the light and the dark. It's about respecting the mystery and not having answers. And it's about uncertainty. So all those things are wrapped up in those two things. Yeah. Inconsistency. The cow gives birth to the baby elephant. Show me that way. But see, that's you're being too literal. Like you think? The, they're trying. But wait a second. My brain. I got my. Uh, I got my sound effects back. Oh, good. I can't wait. You think my brain is sometimes too literal? Well, yeah. And the thing is, is I will be honest. Is that I took a picture of that. Um, that Zen, that daily Zen, and like sent it to all you guys and said, you know, do with this what you will. Yeah. Like I was like, I. It's not that it's my favorite Zen teaching either but i think the whole point of zen is that 
um, I'm trying to come up with a better word. The you don't know, and you, you know the the thing, the black and white of life versus the gray and the the what is unknowable. If there's any Zen masters out there, or any non-Zen masters who can help me understand what this one means, just go ahead and shoot so me. So I'm not helping you understand. No. How does okay. a cow give birth to the baby elephant? Well, how does a woman like, give birth to a baby? A woman gives birth to a baby human. Correct. Since when does do cows give birth to baby elephants? Well, do you think there's like a magical mystery un un you know unknowable way about things where it could be like and I'm not saying it does. I'm not because Zen is never literal. Yeah. Zen is about parable. Zen but, is but about story. Most of these Zen quotes, okay. I'm all in on. Okay. So, yeah. But that's not true, because we've had a few where you've been like, I don't get this either. Yeah, but this one is just like, come on, give me a little something more than the cow giving birth to the baby elephant. Well, okay. All right. I mean, I, I don't think, the, the reason that I can't be like, oh, Todd, this is what it means, is because you're not, it's not supposed to be like, this is what it means. What does that make you think when you read that? When you It s- makes me think that I don't understand this one, and you could, and the writer could have come up with something better. Okay. So you think the Zen master should have been more clear? He was, he or she was having a bad day that Okay. Day. All right. All right. Move um, on. Move along. Moving along. Five minutes on that. How about that? Um, Zen parenting moment. So you're calling that a tournament of bad? That Zen moment? Well, I really just wanted to use my sound effect. <laughs> okay. So it really would have been a quick take. Okay. But now that I got my sound effects back, you want to hear some more sound effects, mm-hmm, sweetie? I don't know. How about... Um, Failure is not an option. Who's that? Uh, I don't know. It sounded like Kevin Costner. No, it's uh, from Apollo 13. Oh, Ed Harris. Ed Harris. Very yeah. good. And then let's just do one more, just for fun. Okay. I just love these. I've been singing a lot of Mr. Roboto. Oh, I know why. Because we were watching Cobra Kai. Yeah. And he was in um, Japan. Yeah. And he and they kept saying, Domo Gato. Yes. And you and I would just say, Mr. Roboto. And this might be my favorite quote of all time. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like... Uh, your opinion, man. Yeah, that's from Big Lebowski. Is there, in the background, I'm having like a deep moment. Okay. Is that Hotel California playing? Because he hates the Eagles. That will be very interesting. I know, listen. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion. No. Man. It sounds no. like Bee Gees or yeah, something. Yeah, it sounds like Bee Gees. It sounded like at the end, Hotel California, <laughs> but that's not what they're saying. Okay, so yes, that's Lebowski. Uh, so my sweetheart writes these Zen moments. Yes, Twice a week. Correct. Tuesday, uh, Thursday? Tuesday and Friday. Oh, Tuesday and Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is titled Productivity and Self-Worth. I wouldn't read the whole thing. Okay. I think it's really long. How about I read the quote and then you tell us what it is that you wanted to communicate? Sure, sure. That sounds good. The quote, Kathy always puts a quote at the top, and and the, the moment itself is usually, it's like a one-minute read. It's an read. essay. So it's a small, a, a short, short essay. essay. Uh, the key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule, but to schedule your priorities by Stephen Covey. Right. So if, and again, if there's a specific paragraph in there you want to read, go ahead. It's just, I know, no, go you know ahead. it can be long. Um, so basically the whole goal of that was the fact that we are very tied up with the belief that our output during the day, our productivity is what is... Uh, what creates our self-worth. We believe that the more things we check off the list, the more things that we do and the more things we can tell people that we do, 
I love checking will, off lists. I know that we will be more worthy. And my question in that um, is, first of all, it's not even a question. It's just not true mm -hmm. because the, the problem is, and many of you probably know this, is you can get everything done on your to-do list and you can even do that for many days in a row and you're still going to have this empty feeling and, and striving need to keep doing that. It's like a never-ending bottomless pit. And my challenge or my recommendation or invitation invitation is a better word because it's not really advice is to find things that actually do fill you up like are you getting enough sleep you know what are your and I don't even necessarily want to call it self-care I just want to call it like what are the things that you're doing that you put into your day that you actually enjoy mm -hmm. you know what are the and, and I think some people would say checking things off the list <laughs> but that's a, again that's a little rabbit hole you need to go down where where did you learn that and and again it's not one or the other you can get things done during the day we have to you know we work we have children of course we have to get things done but we also can make time for things that matter to us personally and recognize that those drive our self-worth just as much. Yeah. And that's and if you're not doing those things, that's hard to believe. But when you start to do things like do yoga or make a, you know, connection with a friend and talk to them on the phone or Zoom with them or go for a walk outside when it's cold or do some artwork or do something that mean that's meaningful to you, that day feels just as fulfilling, if not more, than your like I'm putting in air quotes, your productivity. So I just want to say, um, if anybody um, is interested in, in, in getting this in their inbox twice a week, I'm going to make it very easy for you. And I should probably say this every week, but I don't. Just go to the notes of this podcast. So I assume you're listening to this on your phone. And they're at the very top. Just click on that one link, and it'll be a subscription link. What does the link say so they know? Uh, I think it'll probably Zen Zen Parenting Moment subscription or I something. I think it says Zen Parenting Radio slash Mail. Um, but, I, but I will call it whatever I oh, want okay. and hyperlink it. Okay, so, so we'll call it Zen Parenting Moment. Yeah. Zen Parenting Moment. And it'll be right at the top, and you just put in your first name, last name, email address. Yeah, and, and there's nothing. It's just free. Like every Tuesday, Friday, you just get something I wrote that is hopefully inspirational and maybe thought provoking and hopefully give you a good talk about, you know, starting your day on the right note. It's like it gives you something to think about. So there you go. That's what it's for. Accountability, period, forgiveness. So um, so you like that better than comma? Uh, yes. OK, so here's the thing. We have a big week this week. For those who are listening to this podcast, um, maybe way after we record it, this is the week of the inauguration of our new president, Joe Biden and um, Kamala Harris. So we are coming off of a four years um, that were challenging and also a an experience from a week and a half ago that was life altering mm -hmm. that we there was an insurrection on our capital here in the United States and it was um uh, to me it's interesting every time i read about it and hear people talk about it it's probably the most predictable thing that could have happened right that's what the guy in 60 minutes that's said. his i'm completely stealing from him yeah. because I, like I, when you and I were watching, I just kept nodding. Like all these people who were like, Oh, I was shocked. And this guy's like, this is the most predictable thing ever, which I a hundred percent agree with him that this had been building up and building up. And you have the leader of our country inciting it and promoting it. And, and for four years leading up to this, I mean, he told us, 
before he even won, when he was running against Hillary Clinton, they said, will you accept the results of this election if you don't win? And he wouldn't say yes. And when he didn't win certain primaries, like I think he lost in Wisconsin and somewhere else. Again, this is when, you know, four four years years ago. ago. He was saying it was rigged against him. You know, um, there was this clip that I saw of Hillary Clinton saying even when he didn't win an Emmy for The Apprentice, he said it was rigged against him. Like there should not be any surprise that a person who is a narcissist and cannot accept defeat would A, not concede an election and B, do everything in his power to make other people be on his side. Well, and one quick logical, my logical brain's like he'll accept it the results of an election, if he wins, then the people have spoken. But if he loses, then he won't accept it. It's just... Well, and so let's take that even a step further. The only states that got investigated for voter fraud were the ones that he lost. So the ones that he lost that were swing states. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we're saying we're we're going to question the election results from these states that this – I mean, it doesn't make sense. And this is the thing is I don't even want to try and make it make sense because it doesn't. And this is what a narcissist can do. They can get you all whipped up where you feel like you need to make it make sense when their whole goal is to make it not make sense. The reason why – um, it's to, it's to stoke confusion. Yeah. Okay. So the reason why I'm talking about this is right now we are in this place where he has just been impeached, and there's a lot of talk about that that's done only for political motivation, and that in moving forward when this gets to the Senate, that we should not impeach because we need unity. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to have this discussion and address how ridiculous that is to say that either you have accountability. Or you have unity, that you have to choose between the two. One or the other. When actually they are interconnected. Accountability leads to unity. Yeah. Unity, to say we just need to be unified, is just a word. It doesn't mean anything. It's hollow. It's empty. To say, you know, well, Biden's campaign message was unity. Well, it was way before this happened. It wasn't like the insurrection happened and then Biden's like, now he's been trying to say unity or not trying. He has been. So that is his campaign message. But the idea that we are going to because this great word um, was given to me recently, what Republicans or people who agree that we shouldn't impeach or shouldn't hold anyone accountable are saying is they want impunity. Hmm. Do you know that word impunity? It means he can't be touched. Well, and it or means that's immunity. they want Imp- yeah, I don't know. I'm impunity, sorry. I think let me make sure I have the right word. I, I think I do because I wrote it down like ten times because I loved it. I'm pulling it up right now. Impunity, the exemption from punishment. Yes. So impunity, thank you. Sometimes those get mixed up. Immunity, yeah. impunity. But impunity is what people are saying is, yeah, this happened, but we want unity, so skip over it. Yeah. And really what they're saying is don't hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. Don't hold the, you know, the lawmakers who decided to vote against certifying results, let's not hold accountable the people who put together um, that rally Mm -hmm. that day, all the people who said all those things online or on news stations to incite violence. Um, And again, I don't want to jump into whataboutism, but other people say certain things too. I'm talking about this specific thing, which is this election is rigged. Go fight for your rights. And then saying that to people who have 
their roots in things like white supremacy or militias or Q, where you are talking to people who don't have or already have this belief system that they need to overpower and fight other people. Yeah. It's it's like throwing a match on the biggest, um, you know, so much gasoline. Mm-hmm. It's and, and that's why, going back to what we were just talking about, that this, of course, th- this is what people have been saying is going to happen. You know, the guy from Georgia who was in charge of the election in his state, a Republican yeah. who voted for Trump, he at one point came in, you know, came on the news and said this was before this happened. This was right actually before the Georgia runoff. But he said, please, President Trump, stop Mm -hmm. because someone's going to get killed. Someone's going to get shot. Something's going to happen. Your words are inciting violence. So we all knew. Yeah. Like for us to be so shocked is almost more ridiculous. Like none of us could have could have predicted the way it was going to play out or how or what it was going to look like or how uncomfortable or how disappointing. I don't even have the right words. How um, disappointing just doesn't seem like a bold enough word. How scary. That is trauma. We're all dealing with that. But my the big point of this is accountability is essential because we have to say this accountability is about truth. You have to tell the truth about what happened before we can unify. Well, where I go is it's consequences for actions. We all have to deal with the consequences for whatever actions, behaviors we display. Right. On the most basic level, right? And I was thinking about two things. I was thinking about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which they called the TRC in um, South Africa Mm -hmm. after apartheid. So it was restorative justice. The whole goal was to, you know, after everything that happened in that country, they needed to hold people accountable, but they didn't want to do um, the same kind of um, justice that was used in Germany in the Nuremberg trials, which was like much more about punishment. Uh, So it's restorative justice versus, um, I can't say this word, retributive justice, retributive. I don't know. I feel like I'm making it harder than it needs to be. E-R-E-T-R-I-B-U-T-I-V-E. Basically, all that means is Well, when I think of that word, it's retribution. Yes, so retributive justice, I think is how you'd say it. So that is what they used in Germany for what happened with the Nazis. And But in apartheid, they decided to use this commission where peoples were still held accountable, but it was a different kind of... But my goal is not to say that's what we should be doing here. Let me be clear. I, we use our country's methods of you know what consequences are. If it's that you lose a privilege mm-hmm. or that you lose freedom or whatever. But my point is, is in both situations, accountability was essential in moving forward. Right. Well, and I will just, I guess, I just want to differentiate the Germany example mm-hmm. and the South African example. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, and I'm a little over my skis in, in saying this, but I feel like maybe the Germany thing was maybe done kind of with a separate energy of punishment, retribution, I would might even call um, uh, unconscious place. And I don't know anything about the Nuremberg trials other than what I remember in high school, which is very little. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the South African example seems just a little bit more evolved to me. Well, and but it's hard for me to say that because, you know, you talk about the Holocaust in 1945 or whatever year they did the, the right. Nuremberg stuff. Like, I, I certainly don't want to say, yeah, they should have done it differently. I'm just evaluating these two 
the, the language that's used well, and how you one, just explained it. One believed to be able to shift behavior and reunify people through acts of, um, like I said, accountability, you know, people telling the truth and then there being some kind of forgiveness, okay? Um, whereas the other is about punishment and you know, prison. Did you ever see The Reader with Kate Winslet? Yes. Okay. Do you remember that? That was all about she, she was, part was of an it. SS right. um, person. And then she, and, and it was one of those, you know, again, one of those gray movies where it's like, yes, she did this, but she also took this job from the government. Mm -hmm. And this is what the government was doing yeah. at the time. Right. So all of a sudden she's taking the fall, which many people may say she well, should have. Right. Um, this is, I'm not trying to, you know, to go into history and say this or this should have happened or this shouldn't have happened. But I am trying to talk about history in terms of we do need to hold people accountable. Well, and I just want to just string a thread in here regarding how we parent. Okay. Our kids do all these different things of whatever, misbehavior or whatever you want to do. So I just want to like use that as maybe a separate framework or just small example. Like, you know, your kid does something that puts themselves at risk or somebody else at risk and you could quote unquote discipline, which means to teach, right? From a conscious place or an unconscious place. So if they're- But what does that mean? Conscious place versus unconscious well, I'm, place? I'm drawing the Germany and the <laughs> South it. African okay. thing. So like we could do a lot of different things when our kids misbehave, um, you know, for lack of a better term. And are you doing it from a conscious place where the idea is truly to teach and move through it or simply just to punish your kid just for the sake of the punishment. Right. So it's almost like when you're talking about parenting, authoritarian yes. versus authoritative. Yes. Which is like authoritative is there most likely will be a consequence for this, but let's talk it through and let's figure it out and let's get to the truth and let's figure out why this happened and let's hear your side of the story right. and let's let's have a respect for you as a human being. Right. And um, where authoritarian is, you did this, I don't want to hear it, go to your room, don't talk to me. Yep. Um, and, you know, we know which one is more effective, you know, in the long run. Like in that moment, you may feel like I won, they're in their room. They're and grounded. in your example, certain Republicans or people who um, are supporters of President Trump, they're saying, well, let's, there is no conscious or unconscious version of this. Let's just move past it. They pretend, want impunity. Pretend it never happened. Let's pretend it didn't happen. He's going to be out of office anyway. Yeah. You're, and, and then to gaslight and to turn on people who feel like there should be accountability and say, you're being divisive. Right. Is the ultimate gaslight. Yes. I mean, to say, like, another thing that happened this week, Todd, is, I don't know if you know this, but this guy, um, I think I mentioned this to you, this guy named... What was his name? Rick Snyder. Um, he the in guy Michigan. from uh, We're Not Gonna Take It. No, that's D. Snyder. We're not gonna who take it. Who is in Cobra Kai? Yes, he is. Let me bring in a little more pop culture. That was funny. He's the one who helped Miguel. Oh, I don't want to. Yeah, want don't to don't ruin it. Okay. Real quick, gaslighting. We did a podcast on gaslighting. If yes. in case anybody's interested, it's uh, episode number five hundred seven. Okay, so. Former uh, Michigan Governor Rick Snyder was finally brought up on charges last Thursday, six years after his administration oversaw the decision to switch the water supply in Flint, Michigan. Yeah. Okay. For those of you who don't know what happened, I'm sure many of you do, but they switched the water supply to a river mm -hmm. that um, had a lot of pollutants in it. It was contaminated with lead. And at least nine people contracted Legionnaires disease and they died. Mm -hmm. And that's not to mention how many people went without 
water and how many people got sick yep. and what they had to do as far as there was a period of time where there none of the water was okay to drink or even bathe in and yeah. people had to like buy but and that's still going on by the way so he is one of nine officials facing 41 counts right now um and so he it, but this was their decision yeah. to save money to have a poor community have crappy water for a period of time because they were trying to save money. Yep. And even, you know, if you read the what they said about it, they're like it was only supposed to be for a period of time and then we we're going to switch back over. Why would you do it in the first place? Mm. Why would you risk people's health and why would you only do it in this community right. of, you know, if, if we're talking about lower income. Yeah, lower income. Um, and I think a primarily, I'm not sure, but was it a primarily black community? Was there, I don't know. I, I don't know much about Flint either, but I just know it was, people didn't have as much of a voice, sure. you know, put it that way. And I, they just felt like they could get away with it. And so right now there is some accountability for that six years later. I can't believe it took well, this long. Can I give you one different example Please. as far as pop culture? Um, the movie, The Big Short. You know, it's all about the uh, financial collapse in 2007 and uh, the director, Adam McKay, Uh uh, did a wonderful job of explaining what was really hard to understand, which is all these different types of financial concepts to uh, the common in our common language. But at the very end, they're like, "Okay, this is how it happened. These are all the wrongdoers. This is the system that created this thing for this collapse and one guy went to jail. Do you right. remember at the very end? Yeah, and he really wasn't even like a ringleader right. of anything. He just took the fall. Right. And actually, what he did at the end, I think Adam McKay did, didn't he do a funny thing where he was like, all these people were held accountable. Yeah. And then he's like, no, just kidding. Yeah, he's they, they stopped in his tracks and then rewound yeah, and yeah. all that. Yeah, after all of that, all that people lost and the recession and all of, and, and again, there's people will say, but we had to give the banks money because we had to reboot this process. But there there was no accountability for what happened. And guess what's happening now? Kind of the same thing. Well, you remember one more thing on the big short. They said, you know who they're going to blame? The poor and the immigrants. Absolutely. They always do. They always do. So the thing about accountability is it keeps it from happening again. Yep. Okay. So if you jump over accountability and you just say, oh, jump to forgiveness or impunity. Let's pretend it didn't happen. Or let's just be unified and people start to make you feel bad about being some, you know, I'm putting this in air quotes, divisive. Mm -hmm. And this can be, let's, okay, let's bring this back down to really basic things again. Let's talk about uh, a marriage or a partnership. Okay. If you have a partner who has hurt you or lied to you or done something, like I work with a lot of women whose partners have, um, had affairs. And if that partner who had the affair is not willing to accept responsibility for that choice, if they are not willing to have ongoing conversations about how they got there, why, you know, he got there or she got there and why and how those decisions were made and to accept responsibility and be accountable to what happened, they're never going to get, gonna get it. past it. Like they may hold their breath and pretend they're getting past it, but there's not healing occurring. And, and when there's not that, there's no foundation to rebuild from. Yeah. You're just basically trying to restart on something that's already broken. Well, and I want to play this really quick clip by Brian Stevenson. And I hope this lands. I think it will. 
I don't know how long I'll play for, maybe 30 seconds. And he makes the distinction between how we treated slavery and how we've tried to process through it, which is basically by pretending it never happened. Correct. And upholding people... Putting, making monuments of people who wanted slavery. And then he talks about Germany and how people want, the Germans want people to go visit, visit Auschwitz so that we can never forget what it is Correct. that happened. So I think this will land. With, with Michael on this project, what would you make of his design? Oh, I'm very excited about it. I think it, it's... So he's talking about, I think, the uh, museum about in Washington, D.C., is it the Black History Museum or? There's a, there is a Black History Museum that was put up in D.C., but also Brian Stevenson has a museum now That's that we right. almost, we, were, we weren't able to see, but we were trying to go yes. see it on our way to Florida. That so one it's time. one of those two. Okay. It's, it's got the features that we want. It's a place that will be beautiful. It's a place that will tell a hard story, a necessary story. Uh, but you can't go to South Africa without seeing these incredibly difficult but important monuments and memorials to apartheid. You can't go to Rwanda without being reminded. You go to Berlin, Germany, you can't go 100 meters without seeing a marker or a stone that's been placed at the home of a Jewish family that was abducted during the Holocaust. The Germans actually want you to go to Auschwitz and reflect soberly on the history of the Holocaust. We do the opposite in this country. And I think this kind of space will invite us to... So he goes on with that. So that in itself, I feel like we should have just played that quote and been like, that's what we're saying. Yeah. You, we're not going to jump, at least personally, I'm not, going to. I'm not going to jump over what happened a week and a half ago and say, yeah, he's going to be out of office, so let's, let's, just, let's just move on. There are people who incited violence, and they're not just people. They are lawmakers, are the president of the United States, and... You know, people who what you know what makes me sad is I'm not quite sure our president knows better, meaning that he is been this person his whole life, and I don't think has experienced a lot of learning or pushback. He's been surrounded by yes people his whole life, but there are people who did things who knew better, who who consciously know yep, better, but not, chose do. to do something different. And they're smart, and they're educated, and they knew that this was a possibility, or if they if or they overlooked it. I, I don't even care. Yeah. I just know that accountability and people taking responsibility and the truth being told. This is another thing. I'll bring it back to partnership or to parenting. When you have a partner or a child who constantly lies to you, mm -hmm. it is almost impossible to move forward. Yeah. Because and, and I know many of you have this situation with kids where you're like, they lied to me. What I what do I do? I don't mean that you need to then force them. What I'm saying is the stuckness that you feel or the discomfort is because you know you're being lied to. And you don't need to then punish them because they're lying. But you need to have discussions about why do they feel like they must lie? Right. What lies below the lie? Mm -hmm. What's the fear that they have? Is it disconnection from you? Is it that you won't love them anymore? Is it that they'll lose their phone? Is it that they will have to look at themselves in the mirror and recognize that they're not being who they want to be? Like, there could be a multitude of different reasons. Right. And and I don't have the answer for your specific situation with your child, but it, I know that parents know that when their children lie, it's like, what do I do here? And it's creating a conversation of accountability and how that's what allows us to move forward is we can actually heal this. We can actually, we can actually save our relationship. We can actually have better communication if we start telling each other the truth.
So I've, um, I feel like I want to tie um, tie the accountability sure. end up at, so we can move towards forgiveness. Sure. Does ahead. that sound good? No, I don't I don't know how to do it. Is there anything else that you want to make sure you shared? Because um, then I want to talk about Team Zen just for a second before sure. we go to forgiveness. So let me see if there's anything else. Um, let's see. I, I mean, I have a bunch of quotes that I've been taking from a lot of uh, thought leaders, um, women that I follow, mostly black women that I follow, that I just appreciate their perspective and their words because they make it a lot easier for me to, like, understand what I'm feeling. But um, let's see. Uh, Bernice King, who is uh, Martin Luther King's daughter. And today is Martin Luther King Day, by yes, the way. Yes. And let me just say something about that really yep. quick. So. In you know, I'm getting this from, you know, my own reading and from, again, the black women that I follow. But just a reminder that 30 percent of people supported Martin Luther King when he was alive. So on this day, when everybody posts all these Martin Luther King quotes, which I did, too, by mm-hmm. the way, I'm not saying that you it's bad or that you shouldn't. I'm just saying to once a leader like this who like creates change dies all of a sudden we're like, yes, mm-hmm. the, the best leader ever. And people start using his words and his name yep. to prove who they are. But the truth is, if Martin Luther King was alive today, ask yourself, what would he be doing? Mm-hmm. And would you be marching with him? Or would you be saying, no, we don't need accountability? Do you know what I mean? Totally. And I, you know, I, part of me is like, the optimistic part of me is like, oh, this world is so different in 2020 that what that it was in the mid 1960s, and then there's another part of me that says we haven't really grown that much. Exactly, and and both are true, Todd. Yeah. You know that's the Zen of it. You know, bringing back in when we were talking about bringing zen. back the elephant cow baby. Exactly, the cow baby elephant thing <laughs> is that you can say, "Gosh, we haven't changed a lot," and wow, the world has changed tremendously. Yeah. Both are true, depending on which lens you're looking through and what you know specific aspect you're you're focusing on but you know the thing that um, bernice king said was accountability and justice come before healing and unity like it's just it's the natural pattern it's the way it's of the things. flow of things it's exactly. like energy it's like chinese medicine like it, you can't get here until you go through this or exactly whatever. and the interesting thing is the accountability probably the most we can do let's say that all that's let's say we have 17 republican senators who say yes i agree this this person should be impeached um, basically, what will be taken away possibly is his ability to run for office again, and you know maybe some uh, maybe a pension or something like that. But no one's saying he's going to jail. Yeah. So is the accountability like you know for people who are like this would be horrible to hold him accountable? Like what what really is what, at risk what's at for risk? for this man? He's not going to jail for this. Exactly. We're just saying, can we not have him run again and maybe whatever, like you said, the pension or whatever? But can we say this is wrong? This is bad. Let's not do this again. Through the system that we have signed on for, which is a justice. Like- exactly. What What is a democracy if we aren't saying this is a threat to our democracy? This is domestic terrorism. Let's not do this instead of let's jump over this and point fingers. And again, all those other things that people are pointing fingers about, about whataboutism and other people's, um, you know, tweets and and other people having violent language. This there is a conversation to be had. Sure. I mean, I'm not saying everything is this, you know, just this person, because there was um, a space for this person to come in. We had been ramping we up. We co-created this we co-created together this. as exactly. a collective. So don't get me wrong. 
it all of that can be discussed. Well, and along those same lines, let's just say he does get impeached. Like I could see certain people like screaming from the mountaintops and doing a very un celebrating this in an unconscious way. Sure. And that's and we can't control everybody's consciousness around this. But how are how am I going to do Correct. it? Correct. Yes. We can talk about ourselves. So forgiveness. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Oh, there, Sparky. I'm sorry, honey. Uh, Go ahead. So we have this thing called Team Zen. We just did a Zen talk last week, and it was a one of our team members who's a woman. She wanted to talk about her husband who struggles with worthiness. Mm-hmm. And it was a really powerful conversation. Yeah. We have uh, three more planned. Um, one on Jan- uh, two more planned. January twenty ninth. And hold on, I got it right here. Boop, boop, boop. January 29th, then February 9th, February 24th, and March 2nd. And March 2nd, we have Michelle Accard. Is that how you pronounce your last uh-huh. name? And she is an author, and she's going to be talking about her book, 14 Talks by Age 14. So it's kind of a cool opportunity because her book actually comes out the week before. Mm-hmm. And so um, for those of you who know Michelle Accard's previous books, she talks a lot about middle school and teens and preteens. Um, she's going to come on and answer all your questions. So if you have a teen or preteen and you would like to talk with her, she will be on Team Zen with us. So if you're interested in joining our team, first month is free. Um It'll be the second link in the show notes. The first link is going to be the Zen Parenting Moment. Uh-huh. The second link is going to be subscribing to Team Zen. So, But just, the first month is free if you use the coupon, coupon code, code FRIEND. F-R-I-E-N-D. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Forgiveness. Okay, good. So forgiveness, the reason I wanted Todd to put either a comma or a period after accountability is I'm not saying that now let's jump to forgiveness. That's not what I'm saying because mm-hmm. I think that comes through practice and process. But I wanted to differentiate for everybody um, what you know, what forgiveness is, and how it's different than accountability. Yeah. Okay. And so, and just to be clear, forgiveness has nothing to do with the person we're forgiving. It's all about us. It's an inside job. It's like in AA. You know, pr- one of the most famous quotes in AA is resentment is like drinking a poison and then waiting for the other person to die. Which what that means is that when you're forgiving someone else, it's not for them. It's for you. It's so you don't have to keep swallowing resentment. And I think that gets really easily misunderstood. Oh, I do too. Because, but forgiveness is usually, it's, there's got to be like a subject and an object. So, you know, I am forgiving you because you did something bad to me. It can so, I can see why people get confused by it, including me, by the way. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'll forgive you for, you know, spitting on my shoes. Um, and you think, well, it's about them as it is much because you want to relieve them of the suffering that they may feel bad that they spat, they spat on my shoes. Well, and that may be part of it. And ideally forgiveness would come from somebody asking for it. Like that's the ideal pristine version of forgiveness is someone says, will you forgive me? And then they say, I take full responsibility and accountability for what I said and did and that I hurt you. Will you forgive me? And the person says, I will I will work through this with you and I will practice forgiveness and we will get to a place of forgiveness. That's the ideal. One, I I guess I just want to like open that up a little bit because I feel like if somebody asks me, so somebody spat on my shoes and they say, will you forgive me? Why are we using spat on my shoes? Where'd you get, like, where'd that come from? My creative brain, Okay, okay, spat on my shoes. I'm just trying to think of something simple. Okay. And, you know, I like my shoes. I I get Adidas Ultra Boost. Okay, yes, I guess you do have Ultra Boost, okay. And the idea of somebody asking for it in an effort to relieve them of their own suffering tells me that, like, then it wouldn't come from within me. So in other words, I, 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 don't, I would want to forgive somebody 
because it came from within me, not because it was asked for. Well, again, they're both. You're acting as if it's one or the other. Yeah. They they're interconnected. Yeah. And and again, I want to be clear. We're right now talking about the ideal version of forgiveness, and I want to get into the actual version okay. of forgiveness. But what you just said, if somebody says, "Will you please forgive me?" it still needs to come from you. Yeah. You don't have to just say yes. I right. mean, a lot of us do, but it would. But when someone says, will you forgive me, and they ask for it without accountability, mm-hmm. that's hard to... We may use words. Then it's all words. It's just kind of like when, you know, saying unity. It doesn't mean anything unless there's a practice behind it. Right. It doesn't mean anything unless we're actually getting to some truth. Mm-hmm. So ideally, someone may say, sorry, will you forgive me? And you'll, you know, and... And again, you wouldn't say, tell me what you did or explain well, your what story. I would, what I would ask for is, what I would hope for is that person says, I take 100% responsibility right. for spitting on your shoes. I understand what I did. Yes. I understand how it affected you. Yeah. Again, this is going back to what I was saying about my uh, clients who have partners who um, you know, had affairs, um, where they say, I know what I did. Mm-hmm. I know that I hurt you. I know that I'm the one who made the error in judgment. And even though maybe we weren't connected and I felt like it was, you know, I blamed you, I'm the one who took this step and yeah. I take full responsibility. That would then lead to an exercise and practice of forgiveness because forgiveness isn't instantaneous. Mm-hmm. It takes time. It takes, it's a process of accepting what happened and then finding a new normal. Mm-hmm. It really is. But that's ideal is if someone says, I'm sorry, but there's going to be times, especially if you are, and I'm not just talking about the president, but anyone in your life who's a narcissist, mm-hmm. a narcissist may never ask for forgiveness sure. or even know what they did or feel that they did anything wrong or someone who really harmed you. Say there was a crime committed against you. Um, you know, say you were assaulted. You may never get the forgiveness, that traditional pristine forgiveness. And so what you have to find is that forgiveness is less about that person and more about your well-being. Yeah. And that's a different, you know, so it's an act of acceptance that this happened, and as Oprah always used to say on her show, forgiveness is giving up the hope that the past could have been any different. Mm -hmm. The past already happened. Like what Oprah was always referring to, and many people can relate to this, is she was molested. Mm -hmm. And she went through a long period of time of of this shouldn't have happened, this wasn't fair, all true, by the way. This, why did this happen? Who let this happen? Which is its own process of awareness. But then she realized, I'm acting as if I can change this, mm-hmm. but it already happened. So an aspect of forgiveness is accepting it. It doesn't mean saying it's okay. Right. It's not about saying it's okay, but it did happen. So what am I going to do moving forward? Yeah. Except, How will I process it? Accept the isness of it. Correct. So we let go of the belief that we can now change something that happened last week mm-hmm. or in our childhood or yesterday or an hour ago. It already happened. And so forgiveness is never about condoning a person's behavior. It's not about justifying their offense. It's not about forgetting what happened or denying how it impacted us. Yep. It's none of those things. It's not the same as reconciliation, meaning that a lot of people think if I forgive, then I have to ask this person over to dinner. Mm -hmm. You don't ever have to see this person again to forgive them. You could be 100% done with them. Yeah. You can forgive them and know that they're going to be out of your life for the rest of your life. And you're like, good riddance, goodbye. But I am still going to forgive so I don't carry 
that energy. And, you know, it's a, it's like the visual I always get when I do this exercise with clients is like you cut a cord because if you still have resentment towards someone and you're carrying that resentment, especially if you're never going to get from them what you're looking for, which is the accountability and the um, their recognition of what they did wrong to you. you. It's almost like you have to cut a cord and take back the energy that's rightfully yours. So I don't know how this is going to land, but it's interesting. So we started this. I, I think it goes without saying that people know where we stand on how we view our current president. Mm-hmm. I haven't forgiven him, and maybe that's because he hasn't displayed any accountability. Correct. So is it possible for me to forgive him without him saying, yes, I screwed up and I was a big part of what happened on January 6th? What I think is that over time, like I would like there to be accountability, period. And I don't have, I am not um, a lawmaker. But that's the system holding him accountable. He's not. Going to apologize. Right. He will never apologize everybody. Just, I mean, unless he becomes like an old man who actually yeah. sees, but yeah, the air of his ways, up, who knows? but I just doubt it. Spontaneous, whatever. And I wouldn't want you to forgive today. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is a practice and a process when some time, and it's like one of those things, if we were, you and I, two years from now, we're doing the show and we were still like railing yeah. and, and so angry at him and we were still stuck in time about what he did we would not be able to use our energy towards something better. And what resentment can do is it can bog us down and make us feel so weighted down by the past that we can't do anything about our future. We're just stuck in time. And so forgiveness comes through a process, hopefully of accountability first. But if there isn't any, we still have the power to choose how and when we will release or cut that cord with that person or that experience. So I want to, I'm not going to play any of these, but I just did a YouTube search called Forgiving Murderer in Court. Uh And you probably have seen these. It's when one person kills a family member and one of the family members shows up in court and speaks of their forgiveness of the person who did that to their mm-hmm. family member. Mm-hmm. So when somebody's like, well, I can't forgive this person for that. It's, it's, it's impossible. It's unmanageable. Mm-hmm. It's unrealistic. If these people can, it just shows me that it's possible. Well, going back to what I was talking about with apartheid or this, they also in Rwanda, I think they use something similar the, as you know, like a reconciliation commission. Yeah. And there were people that killed people's family members with machetes. Yes. I mean, I'm sorry to be so graphic, yeah. but it was not, there was nothing about it that was civilized. Yeah. And these people asked families for forgiveness so they could move on. They took responsibility, they took accountability, and these family members were able to, you know, offer that sense of we're going to move forward. Yeah. And again, forgiveness though is that family member may not have been like, oh, I 100% forgive you now. They may have been saying, I'm going to start the process of forgiveness. Let me be very clear. To those of you right now who are hearing this, who are like, I have not forgiven my parent, my partner, my ex, my 
my child, my sibling, whatever, for hurting me. Yeah. It's a process. This isn't a judgment. You may have already done years of work on it, and you're just not there yet. Yeah. And, you know, our friend um, Ed Bacon, Reverend Ed Bacon, used to say, because there was a story that he tells in his book and that he's told to Todd and I about a person that he could not forgive, and he would meditate and ask for the energy yeah. to begin forgiving. He would pray for the strength Correct. to at someday forgive, exactly. which is such a wonderfully empowered, because what I would do is I'd beat myself up. Like I should forgive this person, but I can't. So there's nothing I can do. But what you can do is pray or meditate or set an intention like, Lord, universe, energy, please give me the strength that at some point I will let this go. That I can start the process of letting it yeah. go. It's like, this is probably the hardest lesson that I do with my social work students because my sh- a majority of my social work students have had traumatic incidents in their life. Yeah. Um, for those of you who know what the ACEs score is, um, most of them have really high ACE scores. So they, when I talk about forgiveness with them, they initially are very resistant and very frustrated with me. I have to take a lot of time to explain that it's not about the person that hurts you. Mm-hmm. It's about you. It's not about giving anyone a pass. It's about giving yourself peace. And it is a practice and a process over time. So again, forgiveness gives us the opportunity to redirect our energy toward our future rather than staying stuck in our past. Um, We can honor ourselves, be loving towards ourselves by gently over time letting go without ever getting rid or losing sight of the wisdom that we gained, meaning you may now have a better understanding of what it means to be trustworthy or responsible, or you may choose, like some of my clients are like, I am still going to divorce this person. Mm -hmm. Like I am the divorce- Can forgive and divorce. Exactly. Like it doesn't mean that you have to reconcile. It doesn't mean mm, that's that, good. Forgiveness that you, doesn't necessarily no. mean you have to reconcile. It doesn't because reconciliation is includes this other person as a variable. Correct. Whereas forgiveness is an independent exactly thing. Um, just so the ACE quiz, it stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. We actually did a show on that. I'll mm-hmm. try to find that. Part of me wants to play one of these clips. It's a minute and 16, and we can clip it if it's no good. What do you think? Father forgives, hugs man involved in his son's killing. I think it's more visual. That's what I'm That's what I, I might I'm cut it out. I'm going to play okay. it just in case. An emotional courtroom as the victim's father took the stand. His impact statement offering a lesson in forgiveness. I blame the devil, the devil, who misguiding you and misleading you to do such a horrible crime. No, I don't blame you. I'm not angry at you at all. Relford was sentenced to 31 years for his role in the killing of Salahuddin Jitmood. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? Well... The only reason that I think it's interesting is the person still went to prison. Yeah. Accountability. Yeah. And this is why we really need to stay in the gray is that it's not I forgive you and you're off the hook or accountability and we hate you. Yeah. There is all this space in between that my hope is that right now, I'll just go back to our government, that we have accountability so we can start to work toward unity. And then when we have some time and practice and some awareness that we're starting to have some, a more sane government, yeah. that we then can begin the practice of forgiveness. Do you yeah, see what I mean? I do. Like we don't have to do it 
Mm-hmm. All like this man, you know, if you're going to, are you going to play that? Um, I, there, it goes on for another minute, but the audio is just not that good. Yeah. So, so maybe cut all this out. No, nah, I mean, that's fine. We'll just, it's fine. You sure? Yeah. Okay. So basically my point is, is that the reason again, why we wanted to make this accountability period, forgiveness period is they don't have to be together. But there is a difference between them and they can have an overlap. (laughs) And, you know, unity can begin or reconnection necessitates a real accounting for what occurred or else how do we move forward in clarity? Yeah. It's going to be so confusing if we don't move forward in clarity and the kind of the half-assed clarity of, yeah, it might've done something or, you know, yeah, it probably wasn't a good idea. That's not, that's not quite what we're talking about yeah. here. I'm totally with you on absolute clarity of what it, what it is you're going on, your intention, your words, all that. Exactly. So Todd, that is really my, my deep thoughts about accountability and forgiveness. And my hope is because everything that Zen parenting, you know, we, what we talk about on the show is first our own self-awareness is kind of processing. This isn't about you deciding to think the same way that I do about things or, but in your own life, what have you taken accountability or responsibility for? What haven't you taken accountability or responsibility for? The people around you, do you feel as if they have? And if they haven't, how has it affected you? Yeah. Because that can let you know and then, but even if people around you haven't taken haven't taken accountability, there is still a freedom from that resentment through the practice of forgiveness. That's if that person is just if it's just never going to happen. Yeah. Because sometimes we have to accept that we can't change the past, um, and that some people will not be held accountable in the way that we know they should have been. But in this situation today, I'm crossing my fingers that we will be wise enough. To move forward with that clarity. Me too. Otherwise, we're going to be spinning in our tracks for a little while. I know. Um, so yeah, a few quick things. One is uh, Men Living. It's an organization that I co-founded. If there's any guys out there that want to connect deeply and live fully uh, to be the best father, husband, son, worker you can be, uh, go to menliving.org. That'll be the third link of the three things that we share at the top of the show notes. And then don't forget about the bald head of beauty. Jeremy Kraft. Yes. We're getting new carpet. We're getting new carpet. We had a little bit of a flood over here, and Jeremy's coming over to show us the carpet things. And we had a flood, and our neighbor saved us Nick from Perry. the flood. Nick Perry. Shout out to Nick. Thank you, Nick Perry. Uh, yeah, he fixed it, and then he, he like did the dehumidifiers. We were it's, gone, and he fixed it while we were gone. <laughs> it's so great to have good neighbors. Thank you. Um, so Jeremy Kraft, he runs a painting and remodeling business. Um, his website is avidco.net, A-V-I-D-C-O.net, uh, and his number is 630-956-1800, painting and remodeling all over the Chicagoland area. Anything else you want to say, my darling? I don't think so. I think that that is for this week. I, I guess I'll end by saying I'm looking forward to new beginnings. Um, I'm looking forward to this inauguration and things going as planned. Um, and I just, you know wish the best for everybody and happy new year. If I haven't said it a number of times already and we love you and appreciate you. Sweetie. But before we do that, we, a quote for, from new beginnings. Okay. Hey, uh, a little housewarming to, to new beginnings. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, actually, I gave this to you for your, uh, wedding. This model? 
Um, no, this this exact one. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm I'm embarrassed. Sorry. It's okay. I hope you like it. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Old school. And then I was telling Todd, we were just talking about this this morning, and then um, Will Ferrell tries to give that bread maker to Vince Vaughn's son at the birthday party. Speaking of bread makers, me and Skylar are making bread, and I smell I it know, from I do down too. here. I smell our dinner cooking. Let's go eat. Uh, keep trucking, everybody. See you next week. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review. It helps people find us. Hey, looking for more support, exclusive content, and an awesome community of parents? Join Team Zen, where you'll get zero pressure and 100% support. First month's free if you enter the coupon code FRIEND. Go to zenparentingradio.com. Time is at a premium these days, which is why we're delivering help and hope right to your inbox. Sign up to receive Zen Parenting Moment, a quick read two times a week that helps ground you and remind you of what you already know. Go to zenparentingradio.com to subscribe. A special shout out to the guys or for women who want to share a pretty great opportunity with the men in their lives. Men Living is committed to improving men's lives through connection. Included in our program is a low pressure, 75 minute weekly virtual gathering for men to give and get support and build friendships. If you want to learn more, you can head to menliving.org. Join us for our other podcast, Pop Culturing, where we take a Gen X view on movies and TV and have fun breaking down key moments and the themes that teach us what it means to be human. And don't forget about our founding partner, Jeremy Craft at avidco.net. He is a bald-headed beauty, painting and remodeling throughout Chicago and area. His number is 630-956-1800. Thanks for listening, everybody, and keep on trucking.